Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and today I am joined by probably one of the top five people I've ever met in the last 14 years professionally, one of those professional relationships that turn into friends. It is Courtney Shoemaker, and Courtney and I have worked together for now over 10 years with the Children's Miracle Network Hospital here in Kentucky, Norton Children's Hospital, and you were just one of those people that you're just a happy person. There's a smile on your face. You could be fully pregnant, going into labor, having <laughs> contractions or on three hours of sleep. And you still have a smile on your face. And I have no idea how you do that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you too, Sarah. And we have so much history together. You and I and Kim Kardashian have been pregnant together. How many times? It's just, <laughs> it's what we do. Well, I think that's where it began. So we started doing radiothons with the radio station and you and I were like in tandem with, I think our first two pregnancies, we were pregnant at the same time, but you have a tendency to go early. And so, and then after that, you and I were both breastfeeding moms. And so you and I both had a, always had a system down. We had our breast pumps out together, like during radiothon, you would walk away. I'd be sitting there interviewing people and pumping milk at the same time. I mean, we bonded. Oh. I know we've been through it together. So I will start off by saying this. Courtney was one of those people I had to track down because you have six kids ranging in what ages? Um, three to 13. Three to 13. And before we started this, which we'll come back to this a lot more later because we need to rewind first, you're getting ready to grow your family again? <laughs> It is so crazy, but so 2020, I am 23 weeks pregnant. So it's, it's unexpected. I never thought I would have seven kids, but here we are and, and we're rolling with it and we're excited. Okay. You've got six kids. What's one more? I mean, my dad's one of eight. I mean, at this point, you've already gotten past the threshold of being able to drive a normal vehicle. Why not go to seven? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know this is the threshold on that. And that's the, that, I think that's the sensitive point with me, but we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll get to that. So let's rewind to figure out how the wonderful Courtney is now a mom of seven. And trust me, if you ever looked at her, you would never imagine that she ever gave birth to this many kids because you're gorgeous and you're always put together. Oh so, God. okay. Where did you grow up? Let's go back to the beginning. I grew up in Owensboro and I'm the oldest of five kids. Okay. So you came from a very big family. Yes. And then my dad is one of 16 kids. What? So just an Owensboro Catholic family. And it's, I don't know, it's what I came from. My mom's one of five kids. So it's just kind of, I come from big families. So it Your doesn't dad is one of me. 16 children. Yes. 15th of how 16. Many, how many cousins do you have on that side? I have like, I think over 50 first cousins on that side. Um, okay. and we have a family reunion every summer, you know, over 200 people. We still have the family farm in Owensboro. It's a big thing. There's a theme, there's a talent show. So it's tons what? of fun. I just grew up in a huge fun family. Oh my so God. You're an awkward talent show. It, it's super fun. <laughs> okay. So wait, let me guess how this goes. And this is me. I actually don't know the answer to this. So if there's that many people at a family reunion, does each family like color coordinate? So like all your family wears one color or it's like team, whatever. No, I mean, there's a theme, like it'll be like seventies or Hollywood or Disney. And then you just dress in the theme, Sarah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to need you to get team family shirts. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to need you to like rock team shoemaker over there with your clan. <laughs> Cause that's a whole lot of kids. Um, I, 
I thought I grew up in a big family because I grew up with my dad being one of eight and I had like over 30 first cousins. Whereas you, you just blow that one out of the water. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. And I, and I, I'm definitely out of all the, you know, 50 first cousins and my dad and all his siblings, I now have more kids than anybody in that family, that anybody who came from that family, everybody else kind of went on and had like normal as families, but I'm the one who kept it going. Okay. So at least I, you, you won that talent part of the yes, talent competition. Me. Winner of the most kids. You guys need your own award show. Um, <laughs> maybe that could be added each year. You can guys, you guys can do like superlatives for the family reunion. That would be amazing. Okay. So you grew up in Owensboro and I know you have brothers. You, you have brothers and sisters, correct? I have Three brothers and one sister. Mm -hmm. So the fun fact about Courtney and I as well is that my husband works with your brother. Yes. And when he first started working for him, I saw the last name and I was like, I wonder if he's related to, and of course, Facebook's like one mutual friend. And then you're like, uh, yeah, that's my brother. So now again, our paths just were bound to be a personal relationship and become intertwined because your brother it works or my husband works for your brother. And then we've also had kids very similar in time with him too. Mm -hmm. Such a small world. It really is the tiniest world. And actually, did you know that Brian, my husband graduated from uh, Davies County high school in Owensboro? I don't think I knew that. Oh my yeah, God. He's another, he's from the borough. <laughs> I didn't know that. Does he fit? his family still live there? They don't do they? No, actually. So his, his parents and his other aunt and uncles, they live now basically in Louisville or near that area, but he spent most of his childhood and graduated and did high school and everything in Owensboro. So that's something that your brother and Brian have talked about a lot. Best barbecue place. They went to rival mm -hmm. high schools They're around the same age. <laughs> oh my gosh. How fun. Well, that's awesome. Okay. Oh, once so it get, once you... it gets a normal time, we totally need to get the kids together and everything. Oh, a hundred percent. It will have like 30 people over between the three families. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, totally. While I may not have seven kids, I, at least I live in a household of nine. So I'm used to a large household. So that would be totally fine with me to add another nine on top of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it at your pool. It'll be fine. Exactly. We'll wait till next summer. Hopefully we'll find. So you grew up in Owensboro. You had a mm -hmm. super big family. Were there a lot of other big families like that that you grew up around Just like that were not related to you? There actually kind of were growing up like, you know, we had friends with like seven kids, six kids. So it wasn't it wasn't really weird growing up at all. No, I wouldn't imagine, especially well, especially if that's what you grew up in. And that mm -hmm. was what was normal to you. I mean, was it difficult growing up in a house of five? I mean, did you guys fight a lot or did you guys all get along? I mean, of course, obviously we fought, but we we got along. I don't know. It was me and then the three brothers. And then my sister and I are 12 years apart. So um, oh, wow. there was like no competition growing up, you know, with the sister 12 years younger than you. It was just, you know, she was my maid of honor when she was 11. And now we're totally best friends. But it's just, you know, it's a different dynamic. So, you know, it was me just dealing with three little brothers, you know, constantly and then like a baby sister. So just a, a different kind of dynamic. And, you know, one that my older kids grow up with now, you know, with babies in the house. Okay. So more or less your brothers probably competed with each other more than definitely. Yeah. And I just, you know, would like roll my eyes at them as a teenager, like one does. <laughs> 
you know, that's one of the things that I was the most concerned about when I had a third was my sisters and I were all within four years of each other. Like at one point it was like freshman in high school, sophomore in high school, senior in high school. Oh wow! So the, the competition was so strong and that's why I was so nervous about having a third kid. But I think the only thing that it has made it better is that my oldest two are five and seven years older than her. So I'm like, she'll always be the annoying kid sister, I'm sure, but I don't think it'll ever be like a full-fledged competition, like both of them are in high school or something like that, especially between the yeah. two girls. Yeah. And they'll always watch out for her and it'll be good. I know. I'm already trying to teach them that. I'm like, she's only 12 months old and she's walking and she's crawling after you and already trying to steal your Barbies. And I keep trying to tell them she will always be chasing after you. She will always want to be doing what you're doing. She will always take your Barbies. Like, <laughs> yeah. And they're come- crazy. Yeah, they drive each other crazy. But you know, whenever you get older, they're your best friends. Like, I can't imagine now not having four siblings, you know? Well, in just growing up together and having that kind of foundation, I Mm -hmm. think, especially in the year of 2020, since we say that's so 2020, I mean, having that foundation is a game changer, especially in times like this, because you have that many people. I mean, my husband's an only child, his mom's an only child. So his family is super small in comparison to mine. And Mm so I'm, I'm glad that he decided to live with his in-laws and welcome to the crazy side of giant families. Um, so with you being the oldest, when did you move away from home? Um, just when I went to, I went to college at Western. So just Western. And then after that, um, I got married at 23 and then we moved to Nashville for a couple of years and then moved to Louisville. I got married at 23 as well. Oh, wow. Babies. It's a love. It's a lot. So you met, you guys met in college then? We did. Yes. Actually, um, I moved to Western. I was a freshman. He was a sophomore. We rolled up with my parents and my four little siblings to move me in. And he was like one of the people, Adam was one of the people that was assigned to help people move in and he moved me in. So we met on day one. I didn't date anybody else in college and got married when I was 23. So it just sort of, it happened as soon as I went to Western. Did you have any other like relationship, uh, high school relationships? I mean, not, you know, dated around a little bit, but not, you know, not terribly serious. That, I mean, that would make sense. If you met someone freshman year of college, Brian and I met my, my, my senior year of college. But the the weird part about us is we dated for a year, got engaged, engaged for a year and then married. So we did not have like a five year long relationship prior to getting married. We just were together. And within eight months we moved in together. And then within a year we're engaged and well, when you know, we went. Yeah. When you know, you know, you do, you really do. So did Adam come from a large family as well? He comes for everybody in his family has two kids. So oh, his wow. one brother, you know, it, it pretty much it's, it's two and done. So it's, it's a lot different. I don't think he ever thought he would have seven kids, but you know, it's an adventure. You guys definitely live an adventurous lifestyle. So if out of college, you guys moved to Nashville, um, what did you guys major in? Like what were their career paths after that? Well, he is a year ahead of me. So he had graduated a year before me and already taken a job in Nashville. He's in healthcare financial consulting. So he was working for a firm in Nashville. Um, And then I've always been a nonprofit. I majored in marketing and communications and I took a job with Easter Sales Tennessee um, and I've, my, my whole career has been in kind of nonprofit fundraising. So you've always definitely lived in the world. See, I met you once you already moved back to Louisville, worked with Norton Children's Hospital, the foundation and everything like that. I mean, I feel like that is a very, 
um, obviously it's a very selfless industry in the sense that, you know, that there's not necessarily crazy amount of dollars behind it, but obviously the work you're able to do to help other people, what made you go towards that career field? You know, I did, when I was in college, I did one internship at Dell, like Dell computers working in communications. And I just did not like it. I was like, what's, what is the purpose of this job? I don't know. I've just always been like pretty purpose driven on why am I here? And especially now with seven kids, like you can imagine how valuable my time is. And I can't imagine doing a job that I didn't like care so deeply enough that it's worth the time away from my kids. I think that's the only reason I'm still working with this many kids is because it's a cause I just care so much about. Well, and I mean, you're a hundred percent right. And also your kids see what you're passionate about. Your kids are now seeing, especially considering you've got, your son is the oldest. He's 13, correct? Mm -hmm. True. Mm -hmm. I mean, for him, for them to be able to see what you're doing, what you're helping. And I mean, they can directly see, I mean, just when you help us out with our radiothon, we raise over a hundred thousand dollars every single year. And you're a key part of that. I mean, what a fulfilling job to have, to be able to see your results. And I love working with you all. And it's, you know, it's so fun. And there's just a lot of really fun parts about my job at Norton Children's. You know, um, this Halloween, the day before Halloween, I got to take my two oldest kids, Sam and Lucy, are 11 and 13, and um, go around and pick up like a million tons of candy from area speedways and deliver it to the hospital. Like times like that, you know, when, when I get to get them involved now, because I need the manpower and, you know, they get to see firsthand what we're doing. It's really great. and what a good thing for them to witness and be able to talk about and probably will influence them later too, considering what they've grown up and watching you. So I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask your age. I'm mathing in my heads right now. So you guys did not start having kids immediately, right? You waited a couple of years. I had, yeah, I had my first Sam when I was 27 and then pretty much every two years after that. You've been like clockwork. Has it even been two years or are they each roughly that far apart? They're all two years apart. I have uh, two that are, I guess, 22 months apart, but pretty much they're two years apart. But my baby just turned three yesterday. So this will be my biggest age difference will be the last two. Okay. And I know that because again, you and I have shared our, we've shared refrigerators with our breast milk and our little bags mm-hmm. and our pumps and like ch- ch- shared the same room sometimes. It's gone. It really is. So, but you've exclusively breastfed all of them? I have a year each baby. Okay. So how, how many months have you had to your body being just for you in the last 13 years? Not very many. You know, you got like probably about- like a couple months at a time, a handful. Yeah. I mean, I will have spent seven years nursing at the end of this, which is just so crazy to think about, but I don't know. I mean, you do it too. You understand, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. There's also a part of it that I th- it's hard. It definitely is hard. But then I can't imagine like switching to formula at like 10 months. That seems like a hassle to me. Like, I'm like, okay, this is working. We're just going to plow through till you can, you know, drink milk. Honestly, that's part of my thing too. I'm like, okay, if, if I'm going to be a working mom, it was somehow help my mom guilt to breastfeed. And it was almost like a challenge for myself to Mm -hmm. my mom for me and my sisters. I can figure out a way to do this. I am very much like a, don't tell me I can't do something because then I'm going to figure it out. And there was a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, it's super hard to work. And once you go back to work, your supply dips, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this. So yeah, I just passed the year mark with my youngest who just turned a year old a week and a half ago-ish. Yeah. 
it's and I I actually was at the pediatrician's office today and I was like, I wonder how much longer I'm gonna breastfeed because now I'm over here going, I've breastfed all of them until about 15 months each. And I'm like, I'm gonna end up spending almost four years of my life breastfeeding by the time you add it all up. Isn't it crazy? I know. And I don't know how it is for you, but with mine, it's been like I don't like when you're 12 months old, I don't just wean, but it always like like you, it's maybe 14, 15 months or some it just kind of happens naturally. It's never been like a hard process for me. It's always like, okay, they're ready to move on and we move on. No, that's a hundred percent how it's been for me. I have never like consciously thought today is my last day. Mm-hmm. I know that it's like once they hit a year and then once they start getting more and more interested in, well, cow's milk and other food and everything like that, they just naturally stopped. I know my son stopped when I got pregnant with my second. So there was absolutely no break in between those two. I mean, I got pregnant with her when he was a year old like 13 months oh, yeah. exactly. And yeah. my, apparently my milk changed flavors. Oh, yeah, and so, say, yeah. it, so he stopped, but he was about 14, 15 months old when, and so then right into breastfeeding into pregnant with her and then breastfed her 15 months. So, I mean, the, there was no pause for four years, basically wow. between them between being pregnant and nursing, there was something going on. So when I got pregnant this time, I think that was my first reaction was, oh my gosh, my body, because the last time there was no break. So again, I can't even imagine. Okay. We need to talk about this because now I'm just curious. I totally am with you though, about not weaning because I often think to myself, well, if it happens, it happens. I'll switch to formula. Well, now I've made it to over a year, but then in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how to put a baby to bed without nursing. Like I literally don't know how. It's against like every parenting book, like do not nurse your baby to sleep. And I've nursed every baby to sleep. Like I, I have nursed every baby to sleep. And in fact, I talked to the pediatrician today because since I've been home with Maggie, I'm not pumping because I've been working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't take a bottle. So I think she's slightly more dependent on me because she hasn't had to be without me. And Mm -hmm. so she likes to get up in the middle of the night sometimes. And it essentially takes me an hour to 90 minutes to put her back down because she basically just wants me to hold her and nurse for a while. Because she has you to herself. Like that's, that's your special time. I know. But then the doctor's like, Sarah, you got to let her cry it out. You have to. And I'm like, but she's going to wake up the other kids. And she was like, then turn up their sound machine. And she was like, she's never going to stop more or less using this behavior to manipulate you to need you. And I'm like, but I don't know what to do. I know. I, 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 that's my weakness too. I don't, I've never let people cry it out. Like I still will get up with like a five-year-old, like it's a disaster, but I, I don't do that. I know it's super hard. And I say that I'm going to do it. And then in the middle of the night, I literally look at my husband and I'm like, it's as if I don't know what I'm doing because there is no rule book and every kid's completely different. And she, it's so difficult. It's like you learn one kid one way and then the next one's different and the next one's different. And you have double the kids as me more than. So like you said, they do wake each other up. So you're just like, oh my God, I've got to make this stop. I can't have everybody up at 3am on a school night. So you just do what you have to do to make it stop. I know that's exactly right. Cause you don't want everyone to be miserable the next day. You'd rather sacrifice yourself versus yeah. the entire house. We're just so you have, you obviously have six kids now, but once you get past, I would say the four mark, cause I actually have several friends that do have four kids, even more that have three. For some reason, me and my group of friends have a lot of kids together in comparison to that's other people fun. that I know. But what was it? was it ever a conscious decision that you were like, I'm going to have a big family or is it just nature's course? Kind of just nature's course in the way it happened. I was never like, I'm going to have a super big family. And I, 
I probably thought I would have four kids, to be honest. Like, that's probably what I would have planned for my life. But then I had Sam, my first boy, and then I had four straight girls. So I think a part of me was like, this is really fun, but I, I kind of wanted some balance. So, um, so Sam and then four straight girls, Lucy May, Mary Claire, Millie, and then Andy is my baby and the next one's a boy. So I feel like this will be a nice, well-balanced thing. And you know what? I've told, I think we've had this conversation before, but it's not really a religious thing. Like I am Catholic and I am a religious person, but that's not why I have so many kids. Like I'm not against birth control. I'm not, this is not like, I'm not Michelle Duggar. It's just kind of, you know, I like a crowded table. I like a loud house and you know, it's, it's just the, the life that we have. So let me ask you this. How many strangers, personal friends, and family members have said to the, these words to you? You know how that happens, right? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Constantly. I think more Adam than me. I, th I don't think people like dare to say it to me, but it happens to my husband a lot. I was shocked even at number three, how many people made comments to me about, you know how that happens, right? Or they asked me, were you trying? Was this on purpose? And I'm like, you do know what you're asking me, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I just, maybe I'm so sensitive to it now, but I just cannot imagine asking people things like that because you just never know what somebody's going through. Just like you would never go up to somebody with no kids and say, why don't you have kids? You know, I just cannot imagine ever like approaching somebody with something like that. And I don't think that most people mean it with any malice. I just don't think what they're actually implying because I've been with a friend of mine when a client just looked at her and was like, oh, you and your husband have been married a while. Why don't you have any kids yet? Come on, you know, you're getting older. And they didn't even know her. And we got in the car and she's like, we've been trying to have kids for three years. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do you handle that? She's like, honestly, I used to cry every time I walked away after people would ask me those kind of questions. Oh She's God. like, but now I'm so used to it that I just kind of brush it off. But yeah. I was like, that's not okay. And that was the first time I realized, okay, it's not okay to ask people when, are, when are you guys going to start having kids? Or even sometimes people have issues on their second child, their third Definitely. child. So yeah. even asking them, when are you going to have another? And then obviously implying that they're getting older is not a problem. No. And then my favorite <laughs> is when people you don't know are actually just asking questions about your sex life which is oh. really what's going down because I guarantee there's people that have obviously with seven kids have alluded that to you. Disaster. I know. I just laugh everything off. Like that's what you got to do. You got to laugh everything off. See, as opposed to me, like, I don't think that when I look at you and your husband in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Good for them. They have six <laughs> kids. You. They still love each other. They still love being together. They obviously still love being together and even having more. Like that's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is. It is crazy. And these last like, the months, the, you know, just everybody has had a lot of togetherness. So it's been, you know, it's been interesting. So I have to ask this on my third, I remember like the, the gynecologist at one point said that I had like an angry uterus just because my body was tired. How, how is your body handling all of these pregnancies? Do you find that they're getting, I think people assume it's like the more you do it, it's like working out and it's easier, mm -hmm. but how well, are you holding up? totally fine. Like knock on wood, as soon as I say this, I, you know, I hope nothing changes, but just really totally fine and easy. I don't, I mean, I hate to say easy, but I feel good. Maybe it's because I don't ever have time to like sit down and think about like, wow, does this hurt? You know, it's just kind of like <laughs> plowing through it. And then you know that all my That's babies totally are born true, in like six minutes. I mean, so it's never, at this point. it's been easy pregnancies and easy childbirth. So like I said, I hate to like jinx it. I'm you know, knocking on every piece of wood I can find, but so far so good.
maybe it's because, you know, like I said, my grandmother had 16, like I come from a line of like, you know, people having babies. Your body is, is meant for it in the way that you can handle it. And that's amazing that your body can hold up to it. Because I mean, I know several of my friends that they had to stop having kids because their doctors were basically like, this is not a good idea anymore. You're like, this is endangering you now. So yeah. I mean, the fact that your body reacts that way, because you also tend to go early and don't you typically have natural childbirth without epidurals? I've done both. I've done it both ways. So I'm, you know, we'll see what happens with the next one. <laughs> So one of my favorite times, again, we, we always do this annual radiothon where obviously we stop the radio station for two days, a total of like 24 hours. And we stop and raise money for the hospital. And so Courtney and I were like pregnant or nursing babies at the same time. And then obviously I stopped at three. Um, and I think the last radiothon we did, I was the one pumping and you actually weren't, but you would ask, are you going to get pregnant again too? And I was like, no, no. But my favorite time was not last year, but the year prior or yeah, I think it was then mm -hmm. you were walking around and you were like, yeah, I'm having contractions, but it's fine. <laughs> and then yeah. towards the end of the day, you were like, I think I was three centimeters dilated at my last doctor's appointment. I'm going to just go check it out and make sure. And then lo and behold, one of your good friends, um, comes down to the radio station or down to the radiothon a few hours later. And he's like, oh yeah, Courtney's in labor. Yeah. <laughs> I went to check it and my doctor's like, um, no, you're not leaving. You're going to walk down to a labor and delivery and have this baby right now. And I just remember like listening to Ben and Kelly, like having the baby and they're like challenging listeners to call in with baby names. And it was the middle of Radiothon, but it was really fun. <laughs> you were literally texting us while you were in labor, like giving us total updates on both your condition and the money coming in. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> go away, go have a baby. So, so November 8th, would you say 17th? Yes. Was your young, your youngest birthday. That was your yeah. youngest that that happened with, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It was. Yeah. So we just celebrated How his birthday this week. So, okay. If you were to give it since I would say of any person I've ever spoken to, you have more children than anyone I know oh at all. God. So I would say that makes you the biggest expert on this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Well, I will say this when it comes to labor, what is your biggest recommendation for people going into labor, whether it's their first time, second time, third time, et cetera. Do you have any advice towards women going into those situations? I don't know. I have never like gone in with a strict birth plan. Like I, because I think that that's just sort of like setting yourself up for disappointment, you know, like you can know what, how you hope it will go, but I just hate when people go in and they're like, you know, I'm going to bring, this is my playlist and you know, this is what I'm going to do. And you know, it's going to be all natural. And then those are the people that end up having a C-section at the last minute and end up devastated. So you know, I always just try to go in and, and, you know, hope for the best, hope I come out healthy with a healthy baby. And that's really my only expectation. But that said, you know, I've done it naturally and I have had epidurals. Um, the last one they offered me like a really low dose epidural and I loved it because as soon as I was done, you know, I could, I was just right, you know, I could hop up. Um, so I would, I think I would definitely do that one again over the, the natural is great, but like, I think I actually remember less of that one because I was in such pain and I was just so like, I thought about the pain more than anything else. Was the, was the, was your youngest, the one three years ago, was that the one you went naturally with? No, I went naturally with my fourth and it was just because it wasn't even a decision I made. It was because it was too quick to have an epidural. So it was like a, 
Um, so you're, you're the woman that's being wheeled into the emergency room, basically having the baby right now. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yes. No, no time. I mean, they can't, it, it's just really quick. So, you know, that's why I guess it's never been that bad. Cause it's not like I have to lay there for like 36 hours in contractions. It's just really been, it's been good. I will say I've had a 30 hour labor the first oh time with, a, with an epidural that my son and I both did not react well to. So by the time I had to push, it was basically gone, but I hated that experience because oh. it was scary. The second time, no epidural, completely natural, fast delivery, but then my placenta got stuck. So then I ended up in emergency DNC. So, I mean, the labor wasn't bad, but that immediate part after was, yeah. and then the third time I had to get induced early and then get induced and my body wasn't ready to go naturally. So it just wasn't progressing, but because they broke my water, because they were forcing the labor, the contractions were a thousand times worse than they were with the natural labor wow. because my body yeah. wasn't doing it. Um, and I remember feeling like I was getting ripped in half <laughs> and they gave me the best epidural. And I had, and you're, I think it's what you're talking about. It was like a super low dose because I mean, within less than I, I was up and walking less than two hours after having the baby and I could feel the contractions. I could yeah. feel my legs. That's perfect. I, mean, I loved that. Oh, it was amazing. I just got, I smiled. I felt happy. I felt mm -hmm. relief after being felt like being ripped in half. And then all of a sudden I was like, I think I'm going to have the baby. And I describe it as the friends episode when, um, Rachel's <laughs> trying to go into labor and everyone's having kids around her. And that one woman gets rolled in and her contractions are like, mm -hmm. yeah. like that was me pushing out baby oh. three. Oh my God. So yeah. one thing that I'm just now remembering, um, but for anybody listening that has a lot of kids, one thing I wasn't ready for with my sixth, probably the fifth too, is the afterbirth pains when you're nursing. Like for the first <gasps> few weeks, every, like with the more babies you have, the more it hurts so bad. I, like for, I just got bad goosebumps. I forgot about that. Oh man, that's going to be really bad this time around. I'm already thinking about that. That's going to hurt. And my sister is a labor and delivery nurse and she worked in New York for a while. And she said, it's a really common problem among Hasidic Jew women that have a lot of kids. It's like the more you have, the more those pains are just so bad. I did not realize that that was affected by each kid, but you are mm -hmm. right. I always tell people like, once you get past, I act as if I have as many kids as you, but dear God, you're just on your own level, own different field. <laughs> but it's like, you forget certain parts about that first six weeks. Yeah. Because that's your body's way of kind of just saying, let's have another, because, and that's one of the things I forget. First of all, if you do decide to breastfeed, getting your, um, getting toughened up, I'll say, mm -hmm. um, getting used to that, getting your baby latched right. Cause each kid again is different in that department. Mm -hmm. So like, and once the milk comes in and then it settles down and it's all that, but then you're right. It's the cramps afterwards. Every time you nurse, it's like your uterus mm -hmm. is contracting and contracting and contracting. And it is, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. And I finally figured out that the only way to make it better is to walk around. So with the six, I was like walking while nursing, like in the hospital, you know, like not relaxing, just like walking around while nursing him. And I had to do that for like the first two weeks. And that's usually what it takes. I feel like to yeah. get toughened up too. It's like, give yourself the first two weeks. The first two weeks are rough. It hurts. It's a lot. And then all of a sudden you wake up and be like, Oh, I'm good now. Uh -huh. Um, <laughs> And just really your whole body in a lot of ways is like Definitely. that. So 
as far as now breastfeeding is one of those things. And that's one of the reasons I started this entire podcast was because I had so many friends who did not have a good support system of people to ask questions about, whether it was about pregnancy questions, delivery questions, something to do with the baby breastfeeding. And I have this amazing support system of women who breastfed, had epidurals, are labor and delivery nurses, they're lactation consultants. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people who don't have those resources. So that's why I want to talk to people like yourself that, I mean, when it comes to breastfeeding, I, it's hard to say what advice would you give to people? Cause that's such a deep question to someone starting the process. I think getting through those first two weeks, like we just talked about is the hardest part. Is there anything that you would say is like, try this, do this, get through this part. Do you have any tips and tricks for yourself getting started each time? It's just, it's so hard, I think, because I've been really lucky and I've never had supply issues, but I feel so bad for people when they are having trouble and then they get, so they have to supplement with formula and then we don't understand that that our supply meets the demand. So if you're supplementing with formula, but you're not pumping, then your supply is going to keep going down, you know? So it's just like the supply has to meet the demand. So the more you're nursing, the more milk you're going to make. So when I have, you know, throughout the first, I'd say month at least, like I have felt like a human pacifier. Like, I mean, there are times when I will just sit there and the baby will be latched onto me for hours straight, you know, because they nurse and fall asleep and nurse and fall asleep. So I have never like tried to enforce a strict schedule. Those, you know, when they're tiny, 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 because I feel like the more they nurse, the more my supply will keep up with what they need. And the more we'll just be in sync and everything will be okay. I know my mom always said to me and doctors have said to me, like, you can't overfeed a breastfed baby. Yes. And so I a hundred percent agree with you during that first month. It was just like, I am a cow. In uh -huh. the sense that my job is when they're cluster feeding, it's like, you're right. They nurse, they fall asleep. They wake up, they're up for 30 minutes. Oh wait, you're back to nursing again. And most of that first month is a situation of me holding a baby while they're either nursing on me or sleeping on me and trying to eat one handed somehow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it is crazy. But, and I do feel so sorry for people that don't have good support. And, you know, my mom breastfed five kids. So she was, you know, especially with my first baby. And she was like, I remember she would go to like little leche meet, league meetings, the, like the breastfeeding club meetings when I was a kid. And I mean, she is just a, a breastfeeding warrior. So she was my huge support. But I mean, if anybody needs help, I'm not a consultant. Find me on Twitter at Court Shoemaker. Let me know if you get in a bond. I'm, I will help anybody just from experience. You know, sometimes I've, I watch people's Instagram stories and I mean, I'm loosely friends with some of them, super close with other people, obviously, but some people that I don't know that well on a personal level, just barely acquaintances. If I've ever seen them post something about having issues with breastfeeding or mastitis or supply or questions or they're upset, I reach mm -hmm. out to them immediately. And I talk to them and I try to basically just let them know, like, have you tried this? Did you do this? Hey, if you need anything, try this. Yeah. Because one of my friends had mastitis and I, I was able to avoid getting it full on because of something one of my friends posted. And then I helped somebody else. I just feel like it's this constant pay it forward and reach out. Cause I also feel like once you become a mom and you've grown a baby or you've had a C-section, I don't care if you've had a C-section, epidural, natural, you're breastfeeding, you're just in a different league of you can talk to even strangers about this stuff. Definitely. And right now, like I, I feel so, so like for people that are becoming first time moms right now in a pandemic, like I can't imagine how lonely it is. Um, 
I mean, so it's awesome that you reach out to people because I, I just feel so bad for people that are having trouble right now with it, you know? It is a lot. It's a lot to take on. I mean, whether you're first time mom or not, even I think mm-hmm. having at their, what do they call them? Almost like COVID babies, 2020 yeah. babies. I mean, my daughter was born a year ago and then my other daughter had croup and RSV right after she was born. So we had to quarantine away from her because it was the first two weeks of her life and RSV was insanely dangerous to her. And that was right around Thanksgiving last year. So, I mean, me and M- Maggie have basically been in quarantine for a year now out of the last 12 <laughs> months. Pro. I have, I was at the office for six weeks out of the last 12 months. Oh my gosh. You I know, mean, it is, oh, that is so hard. It's very hard. And that's what I, it like, like my husband and I have opposite problems. He's out in the public every day because he has to. So all he wants to do is come home. And it's not that I want to go outside and play, but it's like, I, when I'm up in the middle of the night with the baby who is waking up the household, I tell him that almost through frustrated tears, I feel like a shell of my former self because I haven't been out. I've yeah. been here now a year, not just since March. Yeah. Um, I haven't really gotten into a schedule of getting my, well, trying to exercise or wearing nice clothes again. I have nice clothes with tags on them that I've had for almost a year now because I've had nowhere to go. I know. It's like I mean, a fog. It, it, but the good thing, fog. it's a good time to be pregnant. Like it's a good time, a great to, time like, to be pregnant. Wear leggings, go to bed early. Like it's I really, mean, honestly, I'm not missing anything. Like it's really good. I don't miss having to wash pump parts every single day. I don't miss having to use a breast pump three times a day and make bottles every single night and wash all the bottles and watch my supply. It is such a blessing not to have to do that. It's crazy. I've gotten to see my daughter or put her down for every, almost every single nap of her entire life. And I've only not put her to bed once in 12 months. And, but isn't it incredible? Like listening to your show, I mean, you reference your Harry Potter closet a lot, but it's not like the sound quality is great. Like it, it, it's going well. You're doing great. Well, I had to move the baby into the office when she was first born because it was across from my room. So I decided to move out of my Harry Potter studio closet and regain my office space because it was like, wait a second, with kids doing virtual learning, yeah. we all can't be sharing the kitchen. We all need to have our own workspaces to be successful. So I, and I was starting to, I swear, get carpal tunnel in my wrists from like the way I was using like a bookshelf and a stool and a computer and a closet. It was not a good situation for every oh. day. Um, so now I've moved back into my office and like we moved the rooms around with the kids once Maggie got older. So I mean, now everything's uh, a lot different. So, um, with you being home now with six, almost seven kids at this point, um, I have basic questions that are bizarre, but like a grocery shopping trip for you. I can't imagine feeding. I mean, okay, never mind. I, I can't, I keep forgetting. I live in a house with nine people. Yeah. You can so imagine it. It's the same probably. It is. Now that I think about it, it's, but it's like, my husband will be like, well, don't go to the grocery store and hoard stuff. I'm like, but do you know how much milk we go through in a week? Do you know how much meat we have to use for one single meal or how many noodles we need to make one pot? Or it's just, it's crazy. Cause I can only imagine, I mean, you even go into the grocery store. Like if, if you want to buy something, I mean, is it, do you, do you feel like other people are looking at you like, oh my God, why are you buying so much stuff? <laughs> Well, it is, it is, you know, when COVID hit and you were only allowed to buy like, you know, one pack of toilet paper or one thing of meat. And I was like, how, you know, how am I going to do this? I can't, I'm not hoarding. I'm just trying to like get through a week. And I don't, I do shop for a week at a time. I don't, and I do click lists. Like I don't really go to the grocery anymore, but you know, I, I try to plan ahead. Otherwise I'd be at the store like every day, you know, like I try to plan ahead for a week. You know, I know what I'm having for dinner three 
three days from now, you know, because it, it's got to be planned ahead. So, you know, otherwise it would just be takeout every night. So is that how you manage having that many kids? Because I mean, again, even on a normal year without COVID having to deal with that many kids schedules, homework, your schedule, your husband's schedule. So is meal prep one of those things that helps you just stay sane? It definitely is, you know, like, um, and now, you know, it's so different now. Um, I pulled my kids, my kids are like actually in person school. Well, you know, for about three more days, then they're going back to NTI. But, um, you know, the schedules have changed so much now. Um, Adam leaves work usually and picks them up and, and it comes home. So, you know, he'll grill out dinner a, a lot or we'll have it in a crock pot, but it definitely is meal prep and, and a head planning that kind of gets us through everything. So, Okay. I'm trying to think about if you have a large family, obviously feeding them is a huge one because I agree with you. I do. I guess I can totally relate to that. I just have more adults than kids in the house mm -hmm. that we're feeding, but my mom and I went through that too. When it was like, wait, if they're limiting the amount of meat we can buy, but that's how much meat we need just to get through a meal mm -hmm. or canned goods, but we need two cans of green beans for each meal. Like yeah. it just turned into this thing where it was or my mom and I sometimes would have to check out separately. So we luckily like band together because obviously my parents are here because we're in a multi-generational mm -hmm. house and everything. Um, so now my favorite one, we've got the holidays coming up. How do you handle birthdays and holidays and everything like that? Cause I mean, good God, that would be a fortune. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, you know, this year now, how many pandemic birthdays have we been through in my family? So this year has been totally different, but, um, I don't know, I guess I'm on birthday parties. I'm a little more old school, you know, I don't, we don't have like fancy birthday parties and I don't like rent out kazoing or whatever it's, you know, like we, we usually just, you know, have some friends over at home and, uh, do a cake. And it's, you know, like my son turned three this week, my mother-in-law made some cupcakes and I picked up a cake at Costco and some neighbor kids like came by and got a cupcake and stood in the backyard, you know, so it was great. And he was thrilled, but, um, so it's a lot of things like that. You know, there are really special birthdays where we'll do something like my oldest turned 13 this year. And we decided that, for your 13th birthday, you get to pick a trip with just you, mom and dad. So Sam and Adam and I flew to New York for the weekend and, you know, had an incredible time, one-on-one -on -one time with him. And that's something we plan to continue with every kid. So, you know, some birthdays are really special and other birthdays are, you know, a few friends over and jump on the trampoline. So it just kind of varies. So is that something that you and Adam have had to prioritize? Cause clearly getting one-on-one -on -one time with you guys is not going to happen very often because it's impossible to. So is that something that you guys almost like go out of your way to almost make date night for the kids too? Trying to do it. And you know, it's something we started and we said we were going to do it once a month and with everything else, it's kind of like, Oh gosh, now that I say it, I'm remembering, we haven't really kept that up, but maybe COVID's partly to blame for that. But you know, we I could still take one kid and, you know, go on a hike and I need to pick that back up again. Cause I do think that's really important and something that I should definitely work on more. And it's so, well, you know, it's so wonderful when you do it. Well, it is. I mean, again, I only have three and I'm thinking like, I can't outside of the baby. I can't remember the last time other than like a quick ride somewhere or to the grocery store, even sometimes that I've taken only one of them with me and had that one-on-one -on -one time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, with six, it, it again, it's almost nearly impossible by the time you separate out something for each of them and then have something for the rest of them to do. I mean, that's just, that's, it's not their reality, but they know that they're not yeah. used to that. And do I just, like, I, I try to work it in where I can. Like the other day I dropped off my 11 year old and I just realized it was the seven year old and I in the car. And I'm like, 
you know, let's go through, let's get a milkshake, you know, let's just try. So when I I realize I have one with me, I'm like, what can I do to make this sort of a special time, you know, And, and I try to work that in. I did that the other day when I went to grocery shop, Kennedy came with me, my five-year-old. And I remember I let her pick out a couple of special things at the grocery store and she got her own special treats. Although she did remember her brother and brought him stuff home too. But I also thought the same thing. I was like, I can't remember the last time it was just like me and her. Um, I so <laughs> I can really imagine like, especially I'm just talking like shoes and jeans when all of a sudden all your kids need new shoes. Good Lord. That's a lot. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I mean, it is, that's the, you know, like we're huge on hand-me-downs, you know, because a lot of things like shoes, they outgrow it before they really get raggy or raggedy. So, you know, that's the thing is like, I, I'm so I'm suffocating in Rubbermaid tubs because, you know, things get passed down from kid to kid to kid, but I usually don't get in that bind because I have something from, you know, whoever was older than you. Oh yeah. Here's some jeans, here's some shoes. So that is great. And then also, um, I have, my friends are so good about hand-me-downs. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's easier to drop your kids off. I mean, your, uh, clothes off on a friend's porch than it is to take it to Goodwill. So we're really good about passing clothes around. And it, that has come up huge when you get in a bind and you realize the season's changed and their pants are three inches too short. And, you know, you can just grab something that somebody gave you. That is one of my favorite parenting hacks in general is hand-me-downs because kids are hard on clothes and it's still new to them. As long as it's in decent condition, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Kennedy's entire wardrobe is, n- uh, it has been mostly hand-me-downs and like presents from family members, yeah, um, my so son, which I'm sure your son has the same issue because obviously he's the oldest boy. He doesn't necessarily have hand-me-downs from somebody like he has gotten more new clothes, but my daughter, I had a lot more friends with girls, her entire wardrobe. And now the funny part about that is that I have, I had a friend that I would give her all Kennedy's clothes after, cause the kids were the same season. Well, now I have gotten all Kennedy's old clothes back for my youngest. Oh my and God, so that's now, so perfect. And then I made the same thing with one of my other friends. I was like, look, I'll give you all my boy clothes. If you give me all of clothes for Kennedy. So we've made like this clothes swap. So it's like, we're not even paying each other anymore because we're just swapping back and forth constantly. And it's amazing. It is so great. And it's also like, makes me feel better about like, um, my carbon footprint because I do feel, I'm like, oh my gosh, seven kids. Like I've got to do something to not feel like I'm ruining the earth. So like hand-me-downs, you know, trying, you know, also I try to like, um, you know, not drive a lot. I try to keep all my activities kind of like in the water center and just try to, you know, diminish my carbon footprint when I can, because that is a big part of having so many kids. I'm like, I cannot, you know, just buy new clothes and new things for every kid. I, you know, you can't, you would, it, it would be insanely expensive for you to keep up with that. Like mm-hmm. it's not even feasible. What about travel? I noticed that you guys travel a lot. You don't shy away from traveling. Even with seven kids, you or six kids, um, you take them on adventures. And I feel like you're really good about taking them on adventures. What's Thank it like you. to travel? I mean, like, how do you manage that? It is. I don't know. It's just something that I feel like we, just make a priority to never stop because I feel like if we stopped, then it would just get daunting to start again. So, um, and that's something that I don't, I never want like my kids to grow up and say, well, I didn't get to do that because we had so many kids. Like, I don't want them to miss out on anything. Um, and you know, so we, you know, we try to go to the beach when we can. And this year, um, was really crazy over the summer. My husband was doing a lot of work in Colorado for the hospital in Vail. And so with the pandemic, he really didn't want to fly 
there, but still needed to do some work in Colorado. So we drove to Colorado for a month this summer, just went out West in our minivan. I was working remotely anyway, and he needed to work there. So we just took the family out West for a month and, um, you know, and it was great. It was wonderful. You know, hiking, uh, we were by a lake. We went to Wyoming for a weekend and it was great. So, you know, we travel when we can, it's an adventure. The, I mean, you can imagine that was 20 hours in the car. You can imagine the amount of fighting that happened. And also there are eight of us and we are in a minivan. Like it's not a big van right now. So, you know, that middle, there's two in the front, two in the middle, three in the back, but in the middle, you can have this little jump seat that goes between it. That's not even a real seat, but we have to use that as a real legitimate seat. Like somebody has to have that as a seat. So we are like sardines in that van, but you know, you round up like every single Kindle from six years ago and our old iPhones. So every kid had a device. I loaded it with, you know, any sort of Netflix downloads and games and we made it through. Oh my gosh. What do you, what kind of van do you drive? I'm just curious. A Honda Odyssey. Okay. But this next kid is going to be, a, that's the, that's the issue. Like I can't fit this kid in this van. And I, I'm like, it brings me to tears to think about like getting a church fan. That is the part that I'm having such an issue with. So I just keep putting it off. I'm like, no, I don't want to look at vans. I do not want to look at vans. That's like the level of acceptance I cannot take yet. But at the same time, yeah. I mean, oh. even three, I moved up to, I, I, have, I drive a Pacifica. And I have found that, that there was just no other better option with three kids, three car seats. Like, what are you going to yeah. do? You have to have enough. You have to have enough seats. You have to have enough anchors. You have to have I enough know. things to do. So, I mean, and we I mean, are so I was, packed I was, in there. I was wondering how you ended up um, getting or being out out west earlier this year. So that totally makes sense. I, I just again watching from Instagram and stuff like that. I'm like, I admire you so much for traveling. We the last vacation we had, I was pregnant. It must have been last summer. And again, just because of a large family, not necessarily kids, just adults, we were all sardined in the van like that. And you're right, every snack every device, whatever game you want to play, just yes. stop fighting, which yes. brings me to one, one of my last questions. Do you find that like, because of the, do the kids pair off? Do they seem to like, these two will be playing together and these two, do they play all together? Cause clearly the difference between three and 13 mm -hmm. is huge. So is it like the oldest ones usually get together or what happens? You know, I think naturally, you know, they kind of get together by age. And right now I have two that are still not in full-time school. Well, whatever, you know, whatever school looks like this year. So they just naturally kind of play together. Um, but you know, there are things that everybody will do. Like everybody's on the trampoline a lot. And, um, so it just kind of depends on the activity, but there are a lot of little pairs happening or I don't know. I mean, there's just weird things that people have gotten into now, you know, with COVID, you know, everybody is start, all my kids want skateboards now and they love skateboarding down the cul-de-sac. Like every one of my kids will do it. And in the summer, I mean, it was hideous. We bought the biggest above ground pool you've ever seen in your life because our pool was closed, sat it in our backyard. And, you know, every one of my six kids killed so many hours in that pool. And it was great. You know what, though? I, it, having a pool during the summertime, even with quarantine, I, the kids didn't even notice. All they know is that they got to play and they got to go outside. They got to have mm -hmm. a pool. I think the winter months is where people are more concerned about. Like if it's 10 degrees outside, you can't really say to tell the kids to go outside and play for a while. You have to figure out how many layers they're wearing and that's a pain in itself. So, I know. um, I just, I'm so I, at night now. 
I love talking to you about your life, even though a part of me, again, I started like, oh my gosh, she has so many kids. How do I relate to that? And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I do live in a really big house. So I'm, yeah. I'm used to being around that many people. Anytime that anyone, we just had someone working on our water softener yesterday and they were like, you have how many people in this house? And I'm like, oh, I guess that's not normal. It's um, so cool though. And it is, it is like, fun. After and I mean, you're super yeah. close with your parents and your family and you're Definitely, around them all the time. Yeah. You get big family. So, I mean, like, it's not, I'm so used to it now, but we end up explaining our lifestyle and the way that we live and how our house works. And people always ask about dinner time and grocery shopping. And so it's like, it's just a big household. I've always grown up with a lot of people in my house. I've always grown up with different aunts, uncles, and cousins living with us for like sometimes a month at a time, six months at a time, a couple of years at a time. It's just always been an open door policy from my dad. He's always been very much, he was one of eight kids. Um, he lost his dad when he was really young. And so of course his mom was a single mom raising eight kids. Wow. And so he was always like, if I am able to help take care of any of my family members, I will never turn them away. That's and so, so incredible. we've always had like people joke that it's a B and B if we don't have obviously just random people living with us now, we're all just like full-timers here. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I've grown up with that lifestyle now and I'm so happy. And I forgot to say con a huge congratulations, Thank which you, you oh, by the way, you did say you're not, you don't typically find out the sex of your babies. So no, you it's don't a know, boy. Right? Yes. I do. Oh, it's a boy. boy. Yes. <gasps> you usually don't find yes. out. I know. I found out oh. this time. It was crazy. I just wanted to know, like, I wanted to know, cause I'd pretty much gotten rid of everything. I thought we were done. So I needed, I was like, okay, I need to plan for this. I love that. After seven, you need to plan on, for the seventh one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to buy again. I got to restart. So I wanted to know. Oh my and, God. I'm so excited about this. This is so fun. So you're going to have three boys, four girls. Yes. So it'd be perfect. Oh my gosh. How perfect is that? What little bookends? Okay, now I'm rewinding back to what you said at the beginning of the conversation. I thought it was a hypothetical, but no, it's for real. So you've got that going on. You're still working. You and I are getting ready to work together again for our next Radiothon in 2021. Mm -hmm. You still work for Norton Children's Hospital, which is amazing. And I know that the hospital, obviously, without having a lot of those elective procedures and stuff like that, I know the hospital is still definitely, it's a no child is ever turned away regardless of the ability to pay type of situation. So, um, obviously you guys still accepting donations and trudging through. And I feel like the Definitely. kids in this hospital need more help than ever. Definitely. You know, it is so important, especially as moms, it's just so important that we know that we have a children's hospital that's here and ready for our kids if they ever need it. And, you know, it, that is, it's like an insurance policy that helps us, to know that it's there if we need it. Hopefully we will not need it, but it's so important. Um, and this year has been really hard on the children's hospital. So we, we definitely need all the support we can get. So since we're, while we're talking about it, if people are looking at the holidays, looking to do something, what is the best way people can help out their local children's hospital? I mean, just, you know, get online to Norton Children's and it says how you can help go on and, and donate. You know, it's, it's, it's a little different this year. Usually this year around Christmas, we have people that will bring in gifts or bring in goodies for the kids. And we really just can't do that with COVID. Um, you know, there's going to be, there's less visitors. There's really nobody allowed in the hospital, but um, we can just so use the, re the support on things like that. And it's just things that will never show up on a patient's bill, you know, things like the child life therapy. And, you know, when my daughter broke her arm and I took her to the hospital and, and the dog came to see her, the therapy dog. Um, I love the therapy like that dog. They're so important. 
Um, you know, and we do have kids with COVID in the hospital. And, you know, even though we have COVID, there are still people that need to come in and get their chemo treatments. And there's still people having car accidents. And, you know, it's just a, it's a crazy time. And the hospital is always going to stand ready for our kids. So we just, you know, all the support is needed, definitely. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. The mother extraordinaire, six children, the seventh on the way, which is amazing. Congratulations. I have chills thinking about it. If you ever need anything, you let me know if you need some meals. I know how to cook for nine. We cook for nine every day. So I will get food sent over your way. And I cannot wait to help raise more money for the Children's Hospital again this year with you. So Courtney, thank you so much. You are absolutely the best. And seriously, next summer or whenever it's safe, we'll just get all the kids together and they can all just run amok and it'll be great. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on.